Hey. All right, let's get going. So um, can we pray to start? Can we do that? Holy God, we're thankful to be um, gathered with your body this morning. We're thankful for your children that are assembled in this room, your sons and daughters. I pray, God, that you would um, pull back the veil just slightly this morning, that we may peer into your mystery, understand you better, understand how we relate to you better through prayer, as we'll discuss this morning. But God, ultimately, we just want to place our trust in you and pray that your spirit would guide us during this time. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, uh, what did we just do? We just prayed. What is that? What, what, what were we doing when we prayed? Okay, talking to God. Yep. Anybody else, would you define it differently? There's no wrong answer. I'm just curious. Self-reflection. Yep, absolutely. I always feel like when we're at church, it's almost like we're inviting him into this time, which yeah. seems kind of silly. Like, I don't like to see our invitation. invitation but, but it always feels like that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What else? What would you say? So I think one of the, the things I was pondering as I was putting this lesson together, and we're just studying like things you should know as a Christian, and this morning's topic is what is prayer. You know, one of the things that occurs to me is that how well I can define any of the things that we talk about over the next few weeks. So like the Trinity a couple weeks ago, uh, how well I can define it doesn't change it. You know, uh, it is what it is, whether I can define it or not. So, for example, like how many of you, um, how many of you uh, got baptized, you know, maybe as a teenager, young adult, somewhere in that realm, anywhere in there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, how many of you have, have learned something about baptism since being baptized? Right, okay. Does that mean your baptism didn't count? You follow? I mean, maybe that's pretty obvious. But, um, you know, your ability to fully understand what baptism is doesn't change whether your baptism worked or not. That makes sense. So I think something similar kind of going to be the essence of, of what we're talking about today with prayer, that you probably pray, and whether or not you and I come to kind of the same place about what prayer is doesn't change what God's going to do with the prayer you offer. Right? It, it's going to work or not work, you know, based on what God decides and not what you think it is. Maybe that's, maybe that's obvious and not worth saying, but to me that's really comforting because we're, we're, when you talk about prayer, you're actually heading into pretty mysterious territory where we don't know exactly what's happening when we pray. And we're going to talk some about that this morning, but we can take some stabs at it, biblically speaking. I'm curious in here, who, who's, who prayed about something really hard? Like, yeah. Oh, you don't. Oh, you don't have to share. Okay. Okay. You, okay. A lot of things. Okay. Who's willing to Who's willing to share something that they prayed about really hard? 
Yeah. I remember when I was a kid and my family moved overseas and my parents, we were there for like a week and they were like, here you go, you should go, I mean, not you should, you're going to this Russian public school and you don't speak the language and you've been here for seven days in this country and you're going to do fine, it'll be fine. But I it it was okay. But Mm. I remember that first month, I mean, nightly in bed, just like praying so hard and I was 10, but I just remember like, like in tears, almost like crying and being like, God, please help me speak the language tomorrow. Like, Mm. just like, I really felt like alone and out of place and like, felt like God could help me miraculously (laughs) be able to get through it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. You answered the follow-up question, which is why did you pray? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Who else? Somebody, you prayed about something really hard. Yeah, for healing. So why did you... So you also went to doctors. Yes. Um, I assumed you were talking about personal healing, yes. maybe spiritual, emotional. Yeah. So, but why did you pray? What, what was it? Why did prayer seem like an avenue to pursue or something to do? Um, honestly, at that point in time, there were no other options. Mm. I had not received help from any other avenues. Mm. Um, and so that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Out of options, kind of uh, um, things of this world don't work. Maybe something of another world can. Yep. Anybody else willing to share one? Something you prayed about hard? We prayed really hard that Peter would match. Mm-hmm. We hope he'd match here, but we just prayed he'd match anywhere. Felt like he had worked really hard, and at that point, it was like totally out of our control. Mm. Yeah, perfect. Okay, I like that. Let's jump in there. So get out your, um, if you've got like a device or a Bible, an actual Bible. I should have said if you have a Bible first and, and then said, well, if you don't, you can get out your device. Uh, what's that? Yeah, I know. We're not even, we're just assuming. Um, so get, get out your Bible. And so today we are going to, we'll look at some passages. So if you have a Bible on your device or if you have a, a written or a, printed Bible. Go to Matthew 6, 8. And so, you know, Matthew 6, 8, just briefly says this, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so, I mean, maybe the first takeaway about prayer is that you're not praying to tell God what you need because God knows. Okay. So there must be another reason. So now what I want you to do is go to Luke 11, 1 to 13. This is kind of a longer passage. I need somebody to read Luke 11, 1 to 13. And, um, and then we'll kind of jump in there, and then we're going to have some conversation. I'll read it. Okay. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as Jesus taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say... Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, 
Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are now with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Um, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father, father among you, if the son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Perfect. Through 11? Uh, yeah, sorry. Do, do through 13, yeah. sorry. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Perfect, okay. So uh, what Terry mentioned a second ago was that they were praying, and I, you know, I think this speaks to the other reasons that were offered for why they prayed, is because they felt like they had no control over a situation. And so what I think we find here in this passage in 11, 1 to 13, well, if you, I mean, if you look at Matthew 6, 8, what you would say is, you know, uh, God knows what's going on, so we're not going to, like, enlighten him about something he doesn't already know when it comes to our needs. But if we come to this point where we have no control, then the reason we would pray is to move ourselves towards dependence. Is there an A in dependence or is that all E's? Does that look right? Yeah. Or trust in God. So we're not, we're not telling him something he doesn't know. What we're trying to do is to move ourselves or to express our dependence and trust in hopes that that becomes true of us, that we can trust God with this thing we don't have any control over. So I told this story, maybe I, th I taught a class one time on how to pray, and this class is what is prayer, but I may have told this story, I can't remember if I told it or not, but Randy Harris, who's just like a preacher guy in Churches of Christ that's influenced me a lot, he talked about intercessory prayer. So what's intercessory prayer? Intercessory prayer. Yeah, what, what is that? Yeah, so praying for somebody else. I'm interceding for somebody. And so he, he talks about when he, somebody asks him, will you pray for me? And so he'll, he carries a little note card around his pocket, and he'll write their name down. He'll, he'll put it back in his pocket, which is a great practice. And, um, but he describes what he prays for them, or the way he prays for them, is that he, he calls them to mind, and he prays when he walks a lot. So... He's walking and he calls them to mind and he worries about them, what's going on in their life, the situation they're in, maybe they're having marital struggles or health issues or looking for a job or something. And he worries about them before God until he's not worried anymore. Okay, that's, that's how he prays for them. Does that make sense? And so, you know, he's, he's calling that person to mind before God because he knows that he doesn't have any control over what's going on in their life. Now, he may counsel them, he may advise them, he may even help them, but ultimately he doesn't have control over what will happen. And so what he's going to do is pray for that person until he moves to the point of dependence or trust that God's going to work it out. Make sense? It's pretty simple, but I kind of like that idea. So he's, he's worrying about Eric, he's got Eric on his mind, he's got Eric on his mind, and suddenly he realizes he's, realizes he's not worried anymore and he moves on to somebody else, next person on the list. And so he's, he's moving towards more dependence. So if you look back at Luke 11, 1 to 13, that's really what's going on here. So Luke 11, 1 through uh, 4 
is the other version of the Lord's Prayer. This is Luke's version, so it's a little bit different. In fact, it's hard to read without adding the verses you know from Matthew's Gospel. Let's skip that. You're familiar with that. But look at verse 5. Does anybody, does 5 through 8 bother anybody? Look back at Luke 11, 5 to 8. Why does it bother you? It seems like God's annoyed, yeah. right? Uh, so this is in the context of prayer. So he's just taught us how to pray, and then he gives a couple examples that try to make sense of prayer. And so you have this friend who comes to his neighbor at midnight and says, lend me some loaves of bread. I've got a, my friend on a journey, so it's come to me. So your neighbor comes. You're asking your friend for bread, your next-door neighbor, because a, a guest has come to your house. And the, the guy, your neighbor's like, don't bother me, go away, it's late. And you just keep knocking. And because you keep knocking, he finally opens the door. So what does this have to do with dependence? Well, I think the point here is that our persistence in prayer uh, does not, um, I don't think it wears God down. I don't think any, um, like this is essentially a parable. I don't think any parable works on every single level. I don't think it's that it wears God down. I think it's that our, our persistence indicates three things. One, our need, our need, its urgency, and ultimately, our dependence, right? You know, the reason you continue to bring something to God in prayer is to highlight that this need is urgent and you're not in control. All right, so I think that's what the first one's saying. The second, 9 through 10, says, Asking will be given to you, seeking you'll find, knocking the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. The challenge there is that sometimes we pray for things we don't get. And so he speaks to that in the next line, which of your fathers, if, you're, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead. If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. And so you know, what's happening there in verses 11 through 13 is underscoring that God knows what we most need, despite what we may ask for, and as a parent, like a parent, and will provide that. So ultimately, all three examples point to the holy dependence that's happening in prayer, that prayer is about us becoming more dependent on God. Okay, so here's the discussion question. Um, if dependence is the point of prayer, if dependence is the point, if it's all up to God, why pray for anything? Because wouldn't the most dependent or trusting thing be to not ask? To just trust God. C.S. Lewis says it like this. He says, I don't think it at all likely that God requires the ill-informed and contradictory advice of us humans as to how to run the world. If he is all wise, as you say he is, doesn't he already know what's best? And if he's all good, won't he do it whether we pray or not? So if, if dependence is the goal, not just the goal of prayer, but really the goal of all of life, right? Why pray? Okay, yeah. So it's just an exercise in self-abandonment, selflessness, yeah? Trusting. Trusting, okay. So it's just practice. 
So does the prayer do anything? Or does it only change you? Okay. Okay. I like that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not disagreeing. I'm just, I'm just wanting to flesh that out. I like what you're saying. Who else? Why pray? Okay. Yeah. We're about to go there. We'll, we'll, we'll throw that up there. Obedience. Uh, self. Um, well, how would you describe what you were saying? Self what? Self-reflection. Okay. God changes his mind. So what you're describing is that we, we do have influence. Right. Who said that? Okay. Yeah. We do is that what you're saying? Yeah, God changes his mind. We have influence. I think when you see prayers answered where you know there was no other way besides that it was prayer, it affirms your faith. Yeah. So um so you're saying one of the reasons you've seen uh I, I guess in you've seen it be, be effective in the past. All right. So, so, yeah, go ahead. So I have a brother who was, um, has been on drugs and atheist and just living his own life for 10, 15 years. And in my mind, I had just, like, written him off as ever, I mean, he's still my brother, but ever changing. Mm -hmm. And so finally, like, two years ago, my mom was like, you know what? You just need to be diligent about praying for him. And she was like, I'm going to make a point to really just be praying, praying, praying for him. And he literally, um, I mean, completely changed his life. Went to rehab, found the Lord, like changed his life around. And that situation just affirmed, like, God answered prayers where I never, like, truly, I never thought that his life would ever change. And mm -hmm. so his life changing mm -hmm. was me seeing, okay, God answers yeah, yeah. A situation y'all weren't in control, in, control of, obviously. He's, he's an adult. And so you, you eventually get to this point where you say, okay, we can't control it, but we can't pray. Mm -hmm. And in that moment of dependence, you've kind of seen it become effective. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's good. <clears throat> connection and relationship with God. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I was hoping somebody would say that. Absolutely. Relationship. So it's hard to... Um, you know, you can't have a good marriage with somebody you don't talk to. Um, similar thing there. Communication is a part of relationship. Okay, so I so when Lewis and I'll read his quote one more time. He's actually he's 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 quoting what he hears people say to him when he talks about prayer. So this is what he hears from people. I don't think it at all likely that God requires the ill-informed and contradictory advice of us humans as to how to run the world. If he's all wise, as you say he is, doesn't he already know what's best? And if he's all good, won't he do it, whether we pray or not? And so what I hear y'all saying is that that doesn't seem satisfactory. Like, it, it, it does seem like I should pray, and I do pray. And here, here are some of the reasons why I pray that that quote doesn't really speak to. Okay, so let's maybe dig a little bit deeper on that. So here's two reasons why I think uh, that falls a little bit short. <clears throat> and Lewis helps me with these. The first is that if you take that view, what you do, to Alan's point, is you ignore the Christian tradition's teaching on prayer. So I need uh, five readers. I need somebody. No, I need, I need four readers. I need somebody to do the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Somebody? Somebody? Taylor? 
Taylor beat you. I'm sorry. Um, Luke 10, 2. Yeah, Molly, yes. Sorry, too slow. James 4, 2. Right over here. Yep. Uh, okay, Will, you're James 4, 2. And then James 5, 16. All right. Spencer, you got it. Okay. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Perfect. So Matthew 6, 9 to 13, what we see is that Jesus instructs us to pray, and the prayer that he instructs us to pray includes requests. All right, so to Alan's point earlier, if, if we didn't pray because we thought God's all good and all wise and he's just going to take care of everything, well, then we're actually not being obedient because we've been instructed to pray, and our prayers are supposed to include requests. All right, uh, somebody read, who, who's Luke, Luke 10, 2? Is that Molly? Yeah, and so not only are we praying for our own sakes, so give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, but we're also praying for the sake of the world. Send out laborers into the harvest field because the harvest is plentiful. All right, look at uh, James 4.2. I think that's Will. You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Yeah, you don't have because you don't ask God. So apparently our prayers have influence. Or they can become, they can be effective, right? We don't have because we haven't prayed about it, all right? And then lastly, James 5.16, I don't remember who that was. Oh, Spencer, yep. And therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and, as you said, effective. Yeah. So, man, look at that. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, you know, some of our, we have uh, Dave, Dave Kelly sitting back here. He's at our elders' meetings on Sunday afternoons. And, um, you know, one of the things I appreciate about our elders and our elders' meetings is that the majority of time, Dave, I mean, don't you think the majority of our time is spent in prayer over people? And we do some business stuff occasionally, but the, most of our time is spent over, in prayer over folks. And I think some of the sweetest moments in ministry that, that I've, you know, been part of or witnessed are those gatherings where people come to be prayed over by our elders. You know, they've got uh, illnesses like cancer, other sicknesses. Uh, they're trying to adopt. Uh, they're, they're dealing with loss, marital crisis, abuse. And kind of seeing all of those in those meetings. And so why do they come to the elders? Well, they believe something about that prayer is going to be effective. Ken and Brenda Gardner, some of y'all know them. They, um, they have a niece who lives in Dallas. I think she's maybe 31 or 32. She was engaged to be married, and I think two weeks ago, she and her fiance were in a terrible car accident. He was killed, and she was hurt pretty badly. And um, what I what was fascinating to me, I mean, it was deeply sad, was that the instant she found out about it, Brenda sent an email to friends who pray and asked them to be praying. Uh, you know, Kyle here, in, in addition to leading this class, also a businessman. One of the things I appreciate about Kyle is that 
multiple times as he's had like a hard conversation or something or a hard business choice to make, he's emailed a group of guys to say, would you pray about that? And so I think, I, you know, I, I bring those stories up to say um, that to pray is to be obedient. And to pray, like we said, is to realize you're not in control, so I pray to move me to dependence and trust. But in doing that, you're doing what the Bible says. Okay, it's pretty simple. You're being obedient. Um, but also, to the, the point that the guy was making earlier, if God's all good and all wise, won't he just take care of it? If you really thought that, and I do think God is all good and all wise, but if you really thought that meant you shouldn't pray, you would have to also conclude that that would mean you shouldn't do anything at all. Okay? Because if we believe, this is Lewis's quote, if we believe that if something is good, God will bring it about despite our prayer, or if it is not, then he won't, then in either case, prayer won't make a difference. But that means we shouldn't do anything at all. Because in every action, just as in prayer, you're trying to bring about a certain result, and this result may be good or bad. A result that, um, he says, uh, in, both, in both cases, we try to produce a state of affairs which God has not, or at any rate not yet, seen fit to provide on his own. Uh, so let me try to make sense of that. So, you know, my mom and dad prayed over me for, um, you know, since I was a baby in the crib that I would get married one day and have a godly wife. And I prayed about that some, probably should have prayed, you know, more about that. I wasn't as prayerful as I could have. But I was praying about that from time to time. But I also saw Lindsay in the, in the campus center freshman year, and I thought, whoa. And um, so for like the only time in my life, for about the period of a year or so, I was super romantic. And I'm not super romantic anymore. I need to do better about that. But so I was pursuing her, right? So I was praying about it, but I was also doing stuff because I, I wanted to, to marry her. Uh, at, at that point, freshman year, I wasn't necessarily thinking about marriage, but I got there, right? Um, you know, I think about getting this job. Lindsay and I were last year in graduate school. We, we needed a job. Um, and so we were, we spent a year really, really praying about that. But I was also, you know, wheeling and dealing. I was sending resumes out. I was getting people to send my resume who, you know, had more clout than I did, right? I was, I, I ran into Chris at ACU Summit intentionally. I, I knew he was going to be there. He had seen my resume. Oh, you're Chris Haltrock. Can we get coffee? And I was like, the most important coffee I ever had. Right? Um, so I was doing stuff in addition to praying. Uh, having a baby. You know, we, we prayed and prayed and prayed about having a baby. But we also did other stuff to have a baby. Right? You follow? You know what I mean? Like newsflash, we, we did. So... Um, <laughs> So is that the point, right? Uh, we can act, and our actions produce results, right? Let's dive in on that point. Uh, so a believer, this is Lewis again, must admit that God has not chosen to write the whole of history with his own hand. Many of the, event, of the events in our world are out of our control. So I think about like hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, cancer, etc. But not all events, not everything's out of our control. Uh, it's like a play that God's written. And I do think the, 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 the plot of the play is, is mapped out, 
you know, this is how it's going to go. This is how it's going to end. Jesus wins. You know, curtains close. I do think that's how the play goes. But it's like a play where the general plot is outlined, but the actors have the, the ability to improvise. Um, I did improv for a short time. It was an identity crisis. And... Um, <laughs> Is an identity crisis, but that's how improv works. That you you have some like general plot. This is where we want to get to, and then you just you throw throw yourself in there and see how it goes. It wasn't my calling. It was a tough time in my life, and that's kind of you know how we think about the world that we live in. That it's like a play that the the general plot has been scripted out, but us actors have the ability to improvise, and by improvising we actually change or or determine events. And so Lewis says this, it may be a mystery why he, God, should have allowed us to cause real events at all, but it's no odder that he, he it's no odder or or more weird that he should allow us to cause them by praying than by any other method. Uh, Pascal says that he caused, it's got a Pascal, something important that you know this. He calls this the dignity of causality. Kind of a, you know, like a fancy word maybe there. Dignity of causality, what that basically means is the dignity of Making things happen. The point being that if we were totally out of control, if we didn't have the ability to make anything happen, we wouldn't, there wouldn't be any dignity in that. Um, you know, like my father-in-law, who was in this bad accident two years ago and paralyzed from the waist <laughs> down. Now, he is still incredibly capable and can do so much, but this is the essence of his crisis, you know, emotional crisis, is that the feeling that I can't make things happen like I used to be able to make things happen. And that if I can't make things happen like I used to be able to make things happen, then somehow I'm less dignified as a person. Okay, you follow? Does that make sense? Okay. So I would push back against that with him and say, absolutely, you can make things happen. But we understand that there is an inherent dignity that comes from God giving us the ability to make things happen. And we act to make those things happen, right? Okay, but it's not just that we act to make those things happen. So we might say that our work in the world is how we make things happen. But what's the other way we make things happen? Yeah, prayer. These are the two ways you and I make things happen. That makes sense? But I, maybe. I don't think that's complicated. Does anybody have a question about that? It gets in the way of each other. Sometimes mm. That's right. Yeah, you, that, you know, you come to this point when this hasn't worked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think people are critical of Christians because we tend to throw the word prayer around so casually. Mm. Yeah. I'm thinking when you're talking about this work and prayer, I'm thinking specifically about gun control. 
and when people on Twitter after a horrific sure <laughs> sure say our thoughts and prayers are with those affected and others on the other side are saying well, why don't you do something about it then? yeah that's a great point and so I think we have to be careful not to just throw a prayer out there some sort of crutch yep you know mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that there is some responsibility yep to, to make things happen and, and being prayerful that God can use us as a tool for effective positive change absolutely yeah totally agree with that yep yep um let's so uh, on that point let's dive in uh to this how are we doing on time we're about we're about out of time so uh briefly because i do i want to respect our time let me see okay Cutting a page and a half, I'm trying to decide what's worth keeping. Okay, so Lewis gives this example that, um, you know, if you, he's like a farmer, okay? So a farmer is going to go out and they've got this field and they want it to produce a crop. And so they're going to do two things. They're going to go out there and they're going to weed their field. They're going to get out the bad stuff out of that field. I don't really know what farmers do, but I, you know, like we're going to assume that's what they do. And um, they're going to weed that field, but they're also going to pray for a good harvest. So what's the difference between those two things? They're both aiming towards the same end. They both are designed to produce a good harvest. What's the difference between them? What's that? Okay. That's right. Okay, so... um, There are always elements you have control over and there are elements you don't. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. And so what and, and what Lewis's point is that the thing with our work is that it is 100% effective. You know, that God has given us the ability to do things, to make stuff happen. And our ability to make th- things happen can be ruthless. You know, we have the ability to really hurt ourselves, hurt other people because we can make things happen. And so what God reserves with prayer is what he says, what he calls uh, the discretionary option. Um, That you can pray about something, but God retains the discretionary option. Because when you pray, what you're praying about, to Kayla's point earlier, are things that you know, expand what you're, what you're seeking is help from a world beyond this world. And so that world is not limited by, you know, the time that the farmer has in the day, the light in the sky, how strong he is, how, how long he can pull weeds for, you know, like you're, you're, you, you're desiring God who transcends those limitations of humanity to do something in your life. And so because of that, when you ask for something, God can say, no, because that request to move heaven and earth, in a sense, to do something that is otherworldly, may be more ruthless than you realize. I mean, I'm reminded of a Christmas story, that movie that plays on TNT on a loop every Christmas, right, where the boy asks for a Red Ryder BB gun, and his father gives it to him, and, you know, of course, the scene where he shoots the, you know, ricochets and hits his glasses, and the whole point is, like, 
you know, like, oh, you got what you had coming to you, right? And so I think what Lewis says is that prayer is like um, a principal at a school who tells students, you know, these things you can do. These are the rules. There are these other things that you may want to do, and you should ask me, and I'll talk it over with you and decide. And like, these things are all within the rules. You can do these all that you want, but there are these other things that I'll, I'll think over and decide and see what I, I want to do with that. Okay, um, just for your own reference, Scripture gives us a lot of examples of God responding to prayer. We could go over those. Exodus 32 is one, 1 John 1, 9 is another. And God, and we have fine in Scripture examples where God doesn't answer prayer. So 2 Corinthians 12, Luke 22. But ultimately, I do think that the reason we pray is that we, we ourselves are moved towards dependence and trust on God. Let me, let me finish with, um, if you'll turn to Luke 1, 38, and I'll finish with this. Um, this is sometimes called the prayer for indifference and uh, I just want to leave y'all with this because I think in this like one verse you get a glimpse of what prayer ultimately is so this is Luke 1 38 and so this is Mary uh, answering after she finds out that she's going to bear the child of God, the son of God. And she says this, may it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Sorry, let me pick up the first verse. I picked up halfway through because of the paragraph in my Bible. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've said. Or here am I, servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And so um, that's one of the prayers that I've prayed in seasons of my life when things fell out of control is Mary's words, here am I, servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And um, I think that that's, that is the essence of what we're getting at when we talk about what is prayer. Prayer is my surrender. It's me fully dependent. That's what prayer is. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that, that prayer doesn't accomplish things. It does. It's effective. But, but maybe, you know, what's most effective about prayer is its ability to make us dependent. Okay, that's all I've got.